Hello and welcome to this week's Monday Chatter Check-In. I'm Paige. I'm Anna. As we mentioned during last week's Thursday Top 5, this episode, we are going to be talking about two separate things that we did because we are apart. Yeah, I also don't have a restaurant highlight because I haven't been to a restaurant since I left New York, which is like a really long time That's for me. so um, crazy. But I'm- <laughs> I know like I don't even remember the last restaurant I went to if I'm being honest but I'm so excited to hear what your restaurant highlight is and I'm also just excited to get back to New York. New York misses you. Oh yeah. But I think (laughs) I think you can go first. Okay um yeah so for background I've been in the Pacific coast of Mexico not in Cabo I'm like lower in a state called Oaxaca and I've been dying to go to the place I went to this week so timing worked out so well and this place is called Casa Wabi and it's actually a foundation I was kind of nervous to go because I always take my parents on these like excursions and then sometimes they turn out so poorly like when I took them to the James Durrell thing and my dad was like why am I looking at light bulbs um, and we waited in line for like two hours to like look at them so I was like nervous because like also my extended family was here and like my uncle came with us and it was so hot it was 95 degrees because like this part of Mexico is like the desert like there are so many like cacti and stuff so I was like what if I take them to this place and it sucks? There's like no AC, obviously. It's like, so. what if what if it had turned out like Dia? No, exactly. So um, yeah, if it had been like a film installation like Dia Chelsea, I think they would have murdered me. But anyways, so um, Casa Wavi is a nonprofit organization that aims to promote collaboration and social commitment through art. And it was created in 2014 by Mexican artist Bosco Sodi, who is represented by Casman Gallery, actually. And the foundation adopts its name from the concept Wabi Sabi, which just is like kind of like it is meant to represent a vision of the world that is like ephemeral and like not perfect. So it's based on imperfections. And based on this philosophy, Casa Wabi was designed and built by renowned Japanese architect Tadao Ando, who won the Pritzker Prize in 1995. And his vision was just to generate a space conductive to interaction. The foundation is like a residency program. And there are two of them. One is here in Oaxaca at Casa Wabi. And the other one is actually in Tokyo. And it's called Casa Nano. And there are two exhibitions spaces one here in Casa Wabi and then one in Mexico City but I didn't even know the one in Mexico City existed if I'm being honest and like based on you have to go with a like you cannot just go alone you have to go with a tour guide and like based on the things the tour guide was saying I think the one in Mexico City is literally just used for storage like there's not actually an exhibition right now I don't really know if it's because of the pandemic or that's just the way it is but like I literally had never heard of it so I feel like it's just always like a storage thing is the whole um, thing a guided tour? Yes. I hate so, that. So, <laughs> like, it kind of sucks, but honestly, I, like, also liked it just because it's massive. Like, it's not just, like, a, it's not just the building. Like, there are so many things in the gardens that you have to see like that are built in the gardens, and the gardens are massive, and, like, we would for sure have gotten lost in the desert, and everyone would have been in a bad mood if had it not been for the tour guide. Well, that's, like, there's, like, Storm King, too, where you get there, and it's so massive, and there's yes. no tour. It's, like, what do you do once you're there? You can't see it all. 
Exactly. I kind of wish we had had a tour guide at Storm King because then they just like point out the most important things and then right. you can like move on. And also like they were like it was like super accommodating. There was only like four other people on the tour and they were two of them were like Spanish tourists and like the other two were American tourists and like they were older. So they didn't even do the whole tour because they got tired and like were like, this is too much. But I forced my family to do the whole thing, <laughs> obviously. Committed tourists. Like, yes. And like, honestly, like it was just like better to have him because I would have looked at some of the things and been like, this sucks. Like, I don't understand um, what it is. But like with the explanation, it was really cool. But the way it works is like selected artists go to live at the like residence thing for four weeks and during this time they like create art and then a curator that like is selected for each exhibition selects some of their works and then a group exhibition opens and I got super lucky because the group exhibition that's on right now had just opened the day before so I was like in the first group of the general public to like see it and honestly like some of the works were really cool like I love some of them but Overall, I think like it doesn't even matter if there's no exhibition. Everyone should just go for the space. Like architecturally, it was just like one of the most beautiful places I've seen. It's like a Japanese oasis in like the middle of Mexico, but with all of like the Mexican charm, if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was just like incredible. And also Bosco Sodi has his studio at the place. So you can see his work you cannot take pictures because it's like work in progress but you can see his like process there and I was looking at some of the things that Casman Gallery sells for him and like they're really cool and I hadn't really like paid attention to him until now so it was just like overall a really like big learning experience for me but also something that was like so incredible was that it's like a fully like sustainable place and they actually like try to Oaxaca is one of the poorest states in Mexico and they really try to involve the community in like it's not just like a tourist spot but they bring like kids from all the public schools and teach them about art and they have like a pottery studio and they have like a little um yeah like a garden but like everything is like like you can eat everything so like the artists like are given meals farm to table yeah it's literally like farm to table there were goats and like they were telling there were goats Yes, I know how much you love goats. I love goat farms. I've been to like three of them in my lifetime. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, it was so cute. And like they make so much goat cheese. And I just like wanted to stay and eat, but you can't. But there's also a hotel right next to it. And I literally want to go back and stay at the hotel. It looks so beautiful because it's like the same concept. Like it's not, um, they say it's not owned by the foundation because like it's not. But I think it was like built like hand in hand with like the architects and stuff. Like, is the architecture the, um, the same? Yeah, it is. And it's literally, like, you can walk to it. And, like, so there's, like, they, they for sure. But the guide was, like, no, we're not. And I was, like, yes, you are. But it was just, like, overall really incredible. And, like, I have – I, like, would highly recommend visiting if you are going to be in this part of Mexico. It's, like, obviously a very touristy part. So, um, yeah. And then my favorite thing was an observatory that was built by – Tadawando, like the architect of the overall thing and it was so incredible because it's like a circle and it honestly reminded me of James Turrell a lot but you um it's built in the imperfect like the circle is not perfect which just goes with the philosophy of the place about like making imperfections beautiful and whatever um, but it's built in a way it's like slanted and so you only hear the waves like the ocean waves crashing like you don't hear any other noises that are like going on outside so it was like really incredible and like architecturally like beautiful to look at Um, so 
Yeah. That's crazy. That's, that's it's like me. a sound booth. Yes. It's literally crazy. But it's only like concrete and then there's only a bench in the middle. And like, is that what you posted so the cool. photo of? Yeah. I'll post it on Instagram to curated chatter so people can see. But it's like, it looks like so a James cool. Terrell. You're right. Yeah. Right. A hundred percent. I thought I, it was one at first. Yes. When I saw it on like, um, like obviously before I want to like look it up on Instagram because like that's just who I am. Obviously. Um, <laughs> And when I saw it on Instagram, I thought it was like a James Terrell. And then when we were doing the tour, I was like, oh, this is like fully not. No, I fully thought it was a James Terrell when I saw you post it. Yeah, right. That's so crazy. But yeah, it's just like so cool. And like, you have to come. Like, we'll come together. It's really, really, I think everyone should see it. I see a curated chatter field trip in our future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but it's for the podcast. So it's fine. It's exactly. It's for the podcast. Um, but I'm excited to hear about what you did. Yes. So while Anna was gone, I went to Salon 94's brand new space. It's on East 89th Street. And then the original one is obviously on 94th Street, hence the name. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) the new space opened and I got to see the inaugural show, which is a major exhibition of works by Nikki de St. Paul. The show is actually now closed. It was only on view from March 20th to April 24th. But regardless, I wanted to share my thoughts. It was kind of crazy, actually, because the tickets were selling out and it was on view for such a short amount of time, especially during COVID when you're not allowed to just like stroll in. I thought that was interesting. Well, it's like the same thing that happened with the Chloe Weiss. The Chloe Weiss show at Almond Rake was only up for like, a month and then half of the time it was closed right I didn't get to see it I'm so sad I know but anyway the exhibition celebrates the political and historical context of St. Paul's practice and explores the artist's philosophy of radical joy which is a core concept of her utopic vision of an egalitarian matriarchal society the artist is best known for these nana figures which are basically emblems of women's liberation. The initial figures were made from a compilation of plastic toys and fake flowers. There's even like dismembered doll parts. So they're very much like an assemblage of items, very like arts and crafty in a way. And then they also have larger ones on display that are like real sculptures that are like triple my size. And to be honest, they're not my favorite. Like, It's not really my style of art. I don't fully get it. But there were a lot of them in the show. But my favorite part of the exhibition was actually on the first floor of the gallery space where they had these works called Guardian Lions. And they're very similar to the artist's public sculpture practice where she creates these huge things and they're meant to physically be climbed on, which feels really wrong. So when I walked in, There's like a ground below it that's kind of sawdusty, like it foam, Mm -hmm. like, and these little kids were actually on top of the sculpture. And immediately I was like, oh my God, they're about to be kicked out because what Mm -hmm. art gallery do you go to where you can touch anything? No, it's literally like you only go to like the Museum of Ice Cream or like the Dream Factory if you want your kids to like play around in a museum, which is like we've talked about this before, but like right. we don't consider these things museums. But that's crazy that um they were able to do that. It also, now that you're saying that, it like kind of reminds me of those works by Felix Gonzalez Torres where he like 
the candy piles where you were meant to like take a piece of candy and like that's the whole point of the work right but like whenever I saw people doing that I I was like why are they taking the work um I don't know it just feels wrong no and we spend so much time in galleries and museums that I feel like we're just so accustomed to this like you don't touch anything you don't get too close to anything like stay away I went with three other girls and one of them went up to touch it I was like oh my god what are you doing you can't touch it it's the art (laughs) and she was like that little girl's like on top of it like what's wrong with you (laughs) but like my automatic response is just like panic yeah that's fair the works themselves are really beautiful. They had like a lot of mosaic work on them that reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of the Jean Raynal show that we talked about like maybe a month ago that we saw at Eric yeah. Firestone Gallery, which I think we both loved. Yeah, I was actually going to say when you like posted Instagrams, I um thought they looked exactly like, or not exactly, but they like really reminded me of the show at Eric Firestone. And I don't know, I feel like this is like such a good timing for them because I think there's a really big um, Nikki Dusenfeld retrospective at MoMA PS1 that I actually have been dying to go see. But for some reason, the works they have at MoMA PS1, like obviously I haven't been and I didn't go to the show, but they look like completely different types of work. So this is what I was going to say on the top floor of the gallery they have uh-huh. a lot more of her mosaic work and they actually have okay. an entire table set up that have like oh, really? plates, like their silverware and then they have chairs and like you it's very like inviting like it looks like a table you could just sit at but it's a work of art so you can't obviously it's not like the sculptures <laughs> on the bottom floor wait that's really cool though and I think that is more similar right and I think that's more similar to the work that's at MoMA PS1 right now and they even had a photo is th- is it the cave like the mirrored cave that you can walk into is that at PS1 or was that at somewhere else no I think it's at PS1 about? but no I know what you're talking about but I don't know if it's P- if it's at PS1 so now we have to take a field trip and go to Queens to see this because we need to figure it out and then if it's not we'll find the we'll find the place <laughs> A fun fact about myself is that I've only been to Queens to go to MoMA PS1. Actually, I've been twice because one time we accidentally took the subway a few stops too far. Do you remember? <laughs> oh my god, we it was during our summer internship and everyone on our program was like, let's take the subway back from Soho. And so we did to the Upper East Side and the entire intern like cohort was lost for hours because we took well apparently (laughs) like all of a sudden we were above ground it's really hard to turn around yeah right you don't notice that we were all talking it's so hard to turn around it's so hard and then neck you don't even realize it if you're not paying attention until you see light which feels wrong when you're on the underground subway yep but we'll i'll go for a third time and we'll see what happens Okay, sorry, we had some technical difficulties because my Wi-Fi cut out, so hopefully this transition will be seamless. I'm sure it will be seamless. Um, anyways, what were we talking about? Well, while Anna was fixing her Wi-Fi, I looked it up, and the St. Fall show at MoMA PS1 does have the, like, the weird mosaic cave. And they had okay, a so photo of sure that going. one at the gallery, so we will for sure go and check that out and I do think I will like that show more than I liked the show on the Upper East Side. That's fair. I also think the show in the Upper East Side like inadvertently turned into a Instagram like trap. (laughs) Like I don't think they were going for that but like 
it attracted a certain crowd. To be honest, everyone there, minus me, was fully dressed up, like having brunch on the Upper East Side. They're posing in front of the works for an Instagram photo and then leaving. Yeah. They didn't even have wall labels. They had some like QR codes on the wall and I saw like an older couple trying to figure it out on their phone, but no one was paying any attention to that. It really was yeah. like a Instagram trap. This space itself is gorgeous though. It's in like a townhouse on the Upper East Side. It's multiple floors. Like they have all the original windows. So I'm excited to see what else goes into the space because I do think the space itself is very cool and there's like a lot that you could do with it. Yeah, I'm so excited to see what they'll have, and especially because I feel like you and they did, already like, have a new show up. Oh, really? That was so fast. Because I mean, it I guess it's been 24th. six days. Yeah, yeah, so it's been so a week. Something else must be up. Oh, yeah. By the time you return, wild. By the time I have returned, um, but like I went we to Bluestone Lane after. Like it, it was a day. If you're on the Upper East you Side, you do love Bluestone Lane in the Upper East Side. I do love it. It's my favorite one. I think it's yeah. I was gonna say that. I think it's the best one. No, I agree. mine is a bathroom situation. The bathroom at the Bluestone Lane on the Upper East Side is the scariest thing <laughs> I've ever experienced. It's like inside of the church and it's disgusting. Yeah, I agree. And the waiter um, has to walk you there now. They won't just let you walk into the church. So it's so awkward. Wait, that's really weird. Isn't that so weird? Yeah. I hate um, it. Th- that sounds unpleasant. I think, yeah, I... I was going to say something else about the bathroom at Bluestone, but I don't think we should keep talking about that. It's a hot <laughs> topic of conversation. I mean, I think this is it. I, like, don't know if I have any more questions for you about Yeah, I place. think, like, the only other thing I would say is that it is a really interesting space because it's on the Upper East Side. And when you think of an Upper East Side gallery, you think of Gagosian and, like, Zwarner Uptown, which are more mm-hmm. traditional in a sense. So it is interesting to have, like, a more experiential I agree. experience in Wait, that area. Wait, I do have another question. What avenues is it between? Fifth and Mad. Oh, so, so it's, like, it's like really space. close to the Guggenheim. Yeah. Yeah, I was, like, that's crazy. Um, It's also so close right? to the Neue Gallery, I guess. Yeah. Very close. It's like Crazy. close to everything in the Jewish Museum. Oh Crazy. yeah, wow. Maybe next time we can go to um Russ and Daughters. I wanted to go to Russ and Daughters, but they I don't know if they're open right now. Oh, maybe they're not. Maybe they're still closed. But everything in New York know. is reopening July first, so we are so excited. We will be here for all of July. Now we're just so ready. Yeah. Um, But I want to hear your restaurant highlight. Okay, so my restaurant highlight for the week is somewhere that Anna and I have actually been together multiple times. But I went back to Chinese Tuxedo because it just reopened finally. It's honestly one of my favorite restaurants in New York. And I was going to have my birthday party there last year. But then I didn't get to have a birthday party because of COVID. Yeah, I actually... Um, have a funny story. They opened like a sister restaurant nearby called the Tiger, which is also like incredible. Um, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but yes. 
yeah, we love the tiger. And when we first, so tiger opened like in the middle of the pandemic. And when we first went to tiger, Paige was like attacking the waiters being like, when is Chinese tuxedo reopening? And this was back in like September. And the waiters were like, we don't know. Like we're fully like closed right now. Um, it was really funny, but actually I try to have my birthday party there this year. Like I emailed them a couple of days ago and I was like, hey, like, do you think not there, but like they have a bar underneath called Peachy's and it's like one of our favorite bars and they rejected me. The bar is still not open. No, one of the best parts about Chinese tuxedo is that it's Peachy's Peachy's and they it's underground and it's kind of hard to get into. But if you have dinner at the restaurant, they'll take you in through the back door and let you go to Peachy's after without having to wait in line or anything so it's like such an evening exactly and the food was amazing as always it was just so fun truly i'm so excited to go back soon hopefully it's like one of my favorite places in new york i'd say a hundred percent hundred (laughs) percent but yeah that's it we're actually so excited because this week we're recording our Thursday top five from Miami. Um, <laughs> so could we be traveling more right now? Let me know. No, but I mean, I, it's just time. It's time to start traveling. We're ready to get back out there. We're so excited to get to do a few things in Miami. Mm-hmm. And we're so excited to talk about them in our next Monday Chatter Check-In. And also, we're so excited for all the restaurants in Miami we're going to. We're, of course, going to some of our favorites that we, like, always go. Uh, But we're also trying out some new things. Right. This is an exciting week for us. Very. Thanks for listening.